living the word today. So, every time we open this book, it is a fresh opportunity for God to talk to us. Let's make sure, let's make very sure that we are listening to what he wants to say to us. Livingthewordtoday.com. Look, the message of the Bible does indeed prepare us for eternity, but it also prepares us for the day we are currently living. Welcome to Living the Word Today. We invite you to spend the next few minutes studying God's Word with your Bible teacher, Jesse Wagoner. Pastor Wagoner's desire for you is not only to understand God's truth, but to help you live it today. More resources can be found on our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Now it is time to open your heart and your Bible for your time in the Word. And we decided that we were going to uh, go to SeaWorld. Now, my grandson that was just sitting beside me just a moment ago just went upstairs. He loves sharks. And one time he asked me, he said, Papa, what is your favorite shark? And I realized I don't know that many sharks to begin with. Okay, so I just like... A hammerhead. So suddenly, since that, it's been my favorite shark. So I had two things I wanted to do. We, got to, we, we decided we'd go to SeaWorld, and I wanted to get a video of a hammerhead shark to show my grandsons. Number one, mission accomplished. Got that. Got a great little video clip of this hammerhead shark swimming. And I wanted to see the killer whales, or the orcas, if you don't want to be, you know, if you want to be politically correct about it. But my back wasn't feeling really good, but it's like, it was like way on the other side. We had to walk and walk and walk and walk and finally get But we're going to see the killer whales. And they had all this big buildup, and they explained all the, you know, the ecosystems and the, the marine biology and all this stuff. And finally, it was time for the, you know, the show. They had a couple of killer whales, did a couple things. But then the, the, the stars of the show, they opened the gates, and they come swimming in this big pool. And some more music and a big buildup. And, and finally, the guy turned around and said, you know what? They're killer whales. We can't make a performance they don't want to. Show's over. Go home. <laughs> yeah, Really? But it gave a great story for me to tell today, so it's all right. A little disappointment. Do you deal with disappointment in life? Now, that's, you know, that's what you call a first-world problem, right? This is a big deal, right? Uh, but we, have, we live with disappointments every day. But I want to share with you this morning the reality that in Christ, in a relationship with Him, there really is no disappointment. If we can get the right focus, not that we won't have disappointments, but it becomes a whole different thing. No disappointment in Him in the things that really, really, really matter. Now, we began last week, uh, this new section, we looked at the first part of chapter 8, but now something happens for, in this part. It's a long section of what we call exposition. He's expounding on truth. He's talked about the high priest. He talks about the, today he looks at the covenants. He talks about the sanctuary. He talks about the service in the sanctuary. He talks about the sacrifice. It goes all the way through verse 17 of chapter 10. And, and then he, he sort of makes a, a, a transition back to, now here's what you do with that truth, okay? So I'm going to jump ahead to the what we do with it, and then we're going to go back, not all the way through all that today, but at least begin that process. But I want you to see how this sequence. But based on the fact that Jesus is better, Jesus is the greatest of all, he's better than the covenant, the sanctuary, the service, the sacrifice, the high priest, Abraham, everything. Jesus is better because he's appealing to these people who were tempted to go back, go back to what they used to be, where they used to be. And there's the reality that sometimes we have this pull back to what we used to be in our lifestyle, in our belief system, whatever, however you want to say it. So he says, what you need to focus on, what you need to think about to the people who've heard this for the first time, is Jesus is better than all that you have had before. And for us, we have a little different perspective, and we've, we've given, word, we've given the recognition to that in our study. But he's greater than all for us as well. 
So I want you to look at verse 19, chapter 10, because this is where we're heading, and we'll go back and start the process of getting there. Therefore, brethren, having boldness, keyword number one, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new, second keyword, new, and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and now having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Stop there. Because of this, this boldness that we have because of what Jesus has done, because we have something new because of what Jesus has accomplished, we now, as he says, we can draw near with a true heart in full assurance. That's a way of saying no disappointment. And what he calls us to do on this Sunday morning as we open God's word is that we are called to live with this perspective that we need to get our minds off of all the killer whale shows and everything else and put it back on the reality that he is, as we just sang, he is Lord of all. Focus on him, worship him, and uh, we're going to talk about that boldness and that no disappointment as we go through. So that's where we're heading, preview. Now go back to chapter 8, and we're going to pick it up in verse 7. We talked about the priestly service of the high priest. That goes through chapter 7, first part of chapter 8. Talked about the, the, you know, of the order of Melchizedek. We covered, we've, covered a lot. we've covered a lot of stuff in 16 weeks. So thank you for your patience. And we're, we're plowing on. But he says, we're going to actually be in reading verse 6 because it flows into verse 7. Verse 6, chapter 8, Hebrews. But now, speaking of Jesus, he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is a mediator of a, there's our key word in this whole book, better covenant you see that in your text which is established on better promises why is jesus greater than all because he's better than anything you want to talk about he's better than anything that they trusted in better than anything that you and i could ever experience think about fathom or imagine jesus is the greatest of all and he keeps pulling him back to that you want to live with this not worried about being disappointed in life you want to come where we have boldness you want to see things are new in your life then we fasten our attention, we focus our gaze on the fact that Jesus is better. He's better. Now he's going to talk about the covenant. He's already mentioned it in verse 6, but verse 7 says, For if the first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. So he's talking about a first covenant and a second covenant. By the way, if you uh, open your Bible where it becomes Old Testament and New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament, that word testament is a synonym for covenant. Old covenant, new covenant. Old Testament, new testament. So there are several covenants in the Old Testament. There is what we what call the Abrahamic covenant where God promised that he was going to have uh, do something through a particular family, Abraham's descendants. They were going to have a land and they were going to bless all the nations of the world. Then there's a covenant with Noah. He's not going to destroy the world with the flood again. There's a covenant with Moses, and then there's the Davidic covenant, or the covenant with David, that some, one of David's descendants is always going to be on the throne, fulfilled, obviously, in the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, David's descendant, Jesus Christ. But primarily in this context, he's talking about the covenant with Moses. God at Mount Sinai, after he's brought the people of Israel out of Egypt, he makes a covenant saying, I'm going to have a special covenantal relationship with you. You as a nation, you as a people group, you as a, as, as a particular group of people, I'm going to have a special relationship with you. And it was conditional on you do these things, I'll do these things. You, you obey, I bless. 
You listen, I will inform, those sort of things. So that was the original covenant. And that's what the readers of this book would have heard when they heard covenant. The old covenant, the, the Old Testament, if you will. This reality that, that we'd have to live by the law. The only problem is, and it is a huge problem, God can keep his covenant. You and I cannot keep ours. God can maintain his end of this bargain. We cannot maintain our end of the bargain because we fail to obey we have a problem with sin. You take the Ten Commandments with Jesus amplified in the Sermon on the Mount, and at least in mind and body and heart, we've broken all the commandments multiple times. So we come up short. So Jesus comes along, and, and you might want to jot this reference down. It's key to understanding a lot of the Bible. In chapter 5, verse 17 of Matthew, Matthew 5, 17, Jesus says this, Do not think I came to destroy the law. That's that old covenant. I did not come to destroy the law or prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So the covenant that we are connected with is the covenant of the Old Testament completed because Jesus did what you and I cannot. We can't keep our end of this equation, but Jesus has kept it for us. And through our faith in him as the essential once for all sacrifice, we have a relationship with God. Our sins are forgiven, and now we have this covenant relationship. But for the people who heard this, when he says something better than the covenants come, I mean, their minds just must have been ready to explode. Because since they first were able to comprehend anything, the covenant, the law, all this was preached to them. It was taught to them. They memorized it. They lived it. It was woven through the fabric of their society. It was part of their dietary requirements, how they dressed, how they acted, how they interacted with other people. It just was in every part of them. And now this writer comes along and says, I know you're feeling a little pressed to go back, but I want to talk to you about a better covenant is coming. And he starts with this reality where he says here in this passage, I'm still in Matthew, let me get back to Hebrews, where he says here, if the first covenant had been, covenant had been faultless, verse 7, then no place would have been sought for a second. So something new has come. So it starts with this idea. We should have no fear in disappointment because if it was the old covenant, we are going to be disappointed because we can't keep our end of the bargain. This covenant that we operated in, there's no disappointment because Jesus has already kept all that is needed for us to have this relationship with God. And he has everything available for us to live in light of that no disappointment reality that we face. First of all, we, I'm just going to give you three things just to back that up because they're right here in the text. How can we have no, this no fear of disappointment reality? Number one, we have it since you have a better promise. That's verse 8, a better promise. Because finding fault with them, that's the old, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now, if you're looking at this on your screen, or you're looking at this on a, a paper copy of the Bible, whichever you're looking at, more than likely you see, starting in verse 8, middle of the verse, it's probably italicized, or put in quotes at least, and this goes all the way through verse 12, and this is a long extended quote from the Old Testament. It comes from Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34, okay? So he just takes this chunk out of the Old Testament and quotes it right here. And probably, depending on how you're looking at it, you probably see that annotated in the text, how it looks different. So he begins quoting verse 8. And the promise of this covenant that, and by the way, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, we, we, you know, that's good, we're, we're down with that. So he uses this statement from Jeremiah to say, listen, God's already promised that there's a new covenant coming. 
There's a promise on the book. Verse 9, not according to the covenant that I made with the fathers in the day when I took them by the hand and led them out of the hand of Egypt. Because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. The old covenant is not complete. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's incomplete. Jesus had to fulfill the requirements of the old covenant. The requirements of the old covenant required obedience and faithfulness to God. We have been unfaithful to God, we've been disobedient, but in the blood of Christ, as new creatures in Christ, we are made new. Okay? So, we have a better promise. The better promise is simply this. We don't face that disappointment. God is not going to disregard us. God is not going to hold us away. Now, let me just give this a little, for clarity's sake, I want you to end, look at the end of verse 8, when the quote from Jeremiah. A new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. All right? Unless you're Jewish, that does not strictly, specifically mean us, okay? But he's using this as an illustration. There's the covenant, you can't hang on to that because it's now been fulfilled in Christ. There is a sense in which this covenant here in Jeremiah 13 is primarily for the Jews, primarily for Israel, which will be fulfilled in a literal kingdom when Christ returns to this earth. Many people teach, and I have good friends that just somehow they discount the reality when it says in Revelation that Christ will reign and rule on this earth for a thousand years, they make that to mean something other than Christ ruling and reigning on this earth for a thousand years, okay? And, and we, can, we can still be friends. But the fact that these promises to Israel, God has to fulfill them. It's unconditional. He will. But for us as believers, the same principle applies. New Testament believers, even non-Jewish. We have great and mighty promises. The promises of a great future. The promises of God in our lives today. The promise that God will not disregard us. The promise that God will not leave us. That God will not forsake us. And absolutely nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a great time for an amen. You know, we have these promises on the books. So we have a better promise in the Old Testament. What should we do with that? What should we do with that? Remember what I shared with you from chapter 10? I'm just going to pull the application out of chapter 10 because that's the application of what he's talking about in chapter 8. Number one, we need to be bold. And I'm going to encourage you and I to be boldly in service. So serve boldly. He says, we can come boldly. Why? Because we know this works. Why can we be bold? Because these promises hold. Why can we be bold? Because Jesus has finished the work. Why can we be bold? Because something better has come. Why can we be bold? Even something better than better is going to come in our experience. Boldly serve. Now we've started out, you started out the week so good. We're here on Sunday morning. We have sung, we've heard of great things God's doing in this world. We are, we've sung, we've prayed, we've given, we've listened to God's word. We're with people that we love. Your joy meter should be pegging full, okay? I hope it is. I hope it's pegging full. Now, here's your job. Take some of that joy from here and share it with somebody as soon as you can as this week starts to unfold. Because you know what? You're in a world out there People at work, people in school when you go back after the holiday, people in your community, your neighbors, you're in a world of grumpy people. Have you noticed that? You don't have to look far to find them. They will just display it right on their face. They will express it right with their words. They will prove it with their actions. How about you and I just inject a little bit of joy 
into some situation. Just to put some joy in there. I was talking to someone yesterday to, at an extended family event, and uh, this particular part of our family professes to know Christ, and, and you know, not everybody in this setting does. It's, it's always nice to talk to her. She's a cousin of mine. And, and I said, how are you? She said, I'm blessed. That's just kind of how she said it. And she's been through a lot of things that you would not put in the category of blessing. But I'm blessed. Maybe that's it. Maybe just come and say I'm blessed. And maybe that grumpy person might be curious enough to want to know why. And you'd be ready to tell them. Just by the, your demeanor, your joy. And if your joy meter is not pegging high, I probably need to preach a different sermon to you. But in reality, I probably don't need to preach a different sermon to you because joy is all around. We just need to adjust our thinking, adjust our praise, adjust our focus, confess our sins perhaps, and get back in touch with Him. Okay? Number two, we have no fear of disappointment since we have a promise of transformation. Look on in this text, verse 10. For this covenant, still quoting from Jeremiah here, for this, for this is the covenant that I will make with, here again, the house of Israel. That's very specific and important to understand. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their heart, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wow. He says, it's not going to be this external, here's this law you've got to keep. I'm going to take my law and I'm going to implant it in them. It's going to be in their heart and in their mind, and I'm going to be up close and personal with them. And he's going to talk about how this fits in this future kingdom society in just a moment. But for us as believers, we talked about this last week, did we not? How the Spirit of God indwells us, that God lives within us. And sometimes we get down on ourselves and we feel like, oh, I'm just a mess up. I'm just, I just, everything is just, do I ever do anything right? And that sort of thing. We need to come back to this reality that. He who is in us is the operating important reality of our being. It's not me. Not me and my flaws, not me and my mess, not me and my bad habits, not me and my record of failure, not me and, you know, always stumbling and bumbling, but God lives within me. And he says, I'm going to write my, put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. And this last phrase of verse 10, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. You know what God gets excited about? He gets excited about you being his people. And sometimes we don't get really excited about each other. Sometimes we don't get excited about ourselves. But if you're one of his children, if you put your faith in Jesus, God is all excited about you. God wants to be with you. And he just delights to say, I'm their God. And they are my people. And we should say back to him, you are our God. And we are your people through transformation of what happened when we come to know Christ. If you've never had that transformation, oh, friends, don't put it off. Talk to somebody about what it means to be a follower of Christ, how you take that step of faith. You got some questions? We'll try The Bible has plenty of answers. You need some time to talk about it? We'll talk about it. But maybe just need to say, I just need to understand that he's all I need. I've been looking for this, looking for that. All I need is him. Come to him. We'd love to help you. Third thing is this. You can have no fear of, fear of future disappointment, even personal you know, disappointment now. Since you have a promise, this is a great word, of mercy. Look at the end of this quote from Jeremiah. Verse 11, none of them shall teach his neighbor, none of, none of, and, none of, and none his brother, saying, 
know the Lord for he shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. Universal knowledge of God in that kingdom. Look at verse 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. All we come is we can't keep our end of the covenant. Jesus came and fulfilled the covenant. Now we are not in our own righteousness. We really have none. But we are wrapped up in his. We are wrapped up in his righteousness. So God says this. I'll be merciful. Merciful says I'm not. The judgment that, I, that we deserve, the judgment that God would deliver is now withheld because he is merciful because of this new covenant eventually fulfilled in Israel but for us fulfilled in Christ because Christ did not come to destroy the law but he came to fulfill it and he has don't go back don't go back to what you used to be don't go back to who you used to be don't go back to the things you used to be and the things that were part of it why because you have something better and that better is his mercy stand by it gets even better than the better I just shared you with you Look at the end of verse 12. For their sins and their lawless deeds. I don't want to think about my sins and lawless deeds, do you? I could recount many sins and lawless deeds if I want my mind to flow there. I, I don't want to focus on them. And the great news is God doesn't either. Look at the end of the verse. For their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. I heard someone say this once, and it's just a mind-boggling truth, and it's a little bit of imaginative, but when we're with the Lord, and you say, Lord, do you remember that time I messed up back in, you know, whatever it was? God will look at you and say, don't remember that. It's gone. Not, not just forgiveness, not just mercy, not just salvation, but it is indeed forgetfulness on God's part, willfully forgetting. You know, I wish I could forget something. I wish some other people could forget something of me. But you know what? God already has. I remember their sins no more. And then the writer of Hebrews goes back to one last verse to sum it all up. He, he ends the quote of Jeremiah. In that he says, a new covenant. He has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Promise of mercy. I want to encourage you to do this. So here's what I want you to do. That boldness to enter in, that, that, that full assurance we looked at in that little phrase from chapter 10. So boldly worship him. Boldly worship him. Sometimes I think we kind of, Lord, I don't really want to spend time with you because I'm ashamed or I don't feel like I should or I'm all knotted up in my own issues. Come boldly. Why? Because he's merciful. Why? Because he fulfilled the covenant. Why? Because he's given you promise. Why? Because he's transforming you internally from the inside out. Why come and worship? Because... He's excited to be your God and you to be his child. Now, tomorrow for many of us a holiday, some of you have to work, understand that. But if you get the day off or you can have the rest of this day off, why don't you find some personal time to worship? Just get away from everybody else or anything. Go sit under a shade tree or find you an easy chair or go for a walk in the woods or whatever works for you, whatever you have opportunity to do. Don't ask God for anything. You can do that. We do that all the time. Lord, I need this. And he welcomes that. But just tell him what you think about him. Maybe you can sing a song, a song of praise. For some of us, it's better to sing out there in the woods where there's no one else listening. But we can sing from a heart to God, that we can thank him for what he's done, that we can worship for who he is. I hope you have that as part of your experience, just a 
sometimes just to worship God. It'll be transformative to you. And come boldly into his presence. Come boldly into his presence. What great truth. What great truth. Because of all that, let me read this from chapter 10. Therefore, brethren, have, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, verse 19, chapter 10. You can step into his presence and worship boldly. We can have this assurance of faith, as he says in 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance. How many people live their lives for something? Maybe to achieve and whatever, to get, get all that they want to get. And uh, I heard a, an interview by a famous sports figure recently, just a little clip of it. And he wound up, after all of his fame and millions of dollars made, he wound up going to prison for three years. And they were interviewing about it. He said, said my prison experience was great. And the interviewer was like, you got to be crazy. Why? He says, because it delivered me. And I don't know if he's a believer, but he had a change of heart of some kind. He says, because it, got, it delivered me from what I was living for. And he said, I've learned this. He says, sometimes God punishes you by giving you what you want. He had it all. And it all come crumbling down. And then he was humbled. And he might well be a believer. I, I don't, haven't heard that really clearly, but maybe so. So he brings us back to this reality that we can live our lives. Wouldn't it be sad to live all your life and then total disappointment? You're never going to be disappointed. We'd have full assurance because of this new covenant, this new reality. He has given us a better promise. He has given us the, he's going to give us transformation fully someday. And he's given us mercy so far that he even forgets our sins. Let's worship him. Let's serve him. Let's do so boldly. Thank you for joining us for Living the Word today. We appreciate your sharing in this study of the scriptures. Also, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you will not miss a single episode. And thanks, too, for your prayers and for letting others know of this ministry as we seek to be living the Word today. We would love to have your feedback and to hear from you. And the best way to contact us is through our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Until next time, may His blessing be yours.